Hello, listeners, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, the high muckety muck of the show, and with me, as always, is our grand poobah, John. This week, we sit before you, ready to talk math. Let's start easy. If a game leaves the publisher as a 400-page book full of fractions and paragraph-long word problems, is it A, the highly successful Champions RPG, 4th edition, or B, you know, honestly, any number of games we reviewed, like like just like half of them. Frankly, this whole premise is flawed. Let's let's just talk about superheroes and their many insane weaknesses on today's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery, John, my good friend, my my trusted confidant, my gadfly and man about town. How are you? I you I, international bon vivant and playboy. I I got them burger burps. You know, you know when you're when you're gadflying about and you get them burger burps. The burger burps. Tell me more about the burg burps. I mean, please take your time because Lord knows this book is. 7,000 pages long, and we're probably going to need to cover a lot of it, and yeah. Oh, yeah, I, that won't take long, though. I um, mean, this is basically like a pamphlet of a book. Uh, come on now. <laughs> no, it certainly isn't one of them dense tomes of just endless numbers. No, of course not. But yeah, so when you when you get a good burger, but then it just it gives you that Groundhog's Day of, of lunch, where you just keep reliving that burger over and over again in your burger burps. Yeah, we, you did, know. we did take a trip to Annie's Fine Burger, folks. If you would like to hear a quick story about how fat and pathetic we are. <laughs> that is, let, let me give you some insight into the creative process that goes into system mastery. Well, this morning I woke up a, awake, a fresh, ready, refreshed, ready to go, ready to make a wonderful episode of podcast. My girlfriend, bless her, went out to uh, for a hike and, and to have a doctor visit. And then she was meeting a friend for lunch and a different friend to see a holiday parade because she's just out there on the go being an amazing person. Now, I started cleaning my room up and decided to play Overwatch instead for about an hour and a half, at which time I decided to message John and say, John, you up and bored? And he said, kind of. And I said, great, let's do the show, but first burgers, because priorities. Well, yeah. So, you know, go out. It's around noon, so it's the perfect time for burgers. It is It is the right time. for. It's what Burgers Meredith would have wanted. Yeah. Had he the means, Burgers Meredith would have wanted this. And we go to a local burger establishment known as uh, Annie's Fine Burger. And boy, it is a fine burger. It's a great place. It's a wonderful burger. Uh, it has a hilarious sign out front that they have edited by adding an extra S in a different color. It originally said, hello, burger lover. It's time to eat burger. <laughs> it now says it's time to eat burgers, but it is still a bit of a weird sign. Yeah. But then again, the burgers are phenomenal. Yes. So we each had a delicious burger and some and some French ed fries and some lemonade. And then uh, came back here and we're so tired. I went home and took a nap and Jeff stayed at his home and also took a nap. That's correct. Because of our busy packed day of playing Overwatch and eating a hamburger. Now, let me just tell you, I basically was awake barely when he messaged me. So I, I woke up at around 11, went out, got a burger, and then went back to sleep. That is my life. Uh, that's uh, just a quick insight into uh, 
the system mastery process. <laughs> that is how we do things here. And I came, I was also, even when I got back, I was like, I'm energized. I've had a lot of lemonade. Let's do this. Let's get into it. And I opened up the book so I could take a couple of quick notes before we reviewed, and my eyes touched Word, and I fell asleep on the couch. Yeah, just straight up opening the Champions rule book is... Just the most sleep-inducing thing you can do. It is, in, yeah. You thought we were just wasting time just now telling you that dumb burger story, but it actually ties directly into Champions, a game that is unreadable, and yet thousands of people play this thing, and it is in its, like, seventh edition or something. Yeah. It is an immensely popular game, I assume, because once you learn to play it, you lose the sense of the outside world, and you can't do anything else. Yeah, the, uh, the rules for this, right off the bat, is it's the Champions role-playing book, but the first two-thirds of it is all rules for the hero system. And the hero system is universal, so it also starts telling you about, like, hey, if you want to be, like, a 1920s archaeologist... Or a cowboy, or how about a gnome? Yeah, these are the rules you can also use. And here's all of the different rules you'll use to make a character that isn't a superhero. So, it gives you the full rule book for hero system rulebook. And then at the end, also tax on all of the, this is how you champions play. Fair enough, yeah. I, I feel like we've covered a lot of the universal systems at this point, the the well-known, supposedly genre-free, you-can-use-these-for-anything type systems. We've gone through uh, Unisystem, Cinematic Unisystem, uh, whatever the hell uh, World Of is in. You remember that? The World of the Crypt Keeper book? You know the World of Warcraft? It, that, yeah, war, war, of course, <laughs> third edition's OGL system, GURPS. Uh, I, this is our first time touching in on Heroes. Which is one of the big ones. It's been around for a while. Oh, yeah. The first printing of, of uh, Champions in particular, not just a hero system, was like 1981. Yeah, it's super old. Yeah, it's been around. Now, we don't have that. Uh, in fact, even the book goes out of its way to point out that uh, what we have in our hands is fourth edition or uh, what's affectionately known as the Big Blue Book uh, by, by players, because prior to this, you needed to have, like, five books to play this game. Yeah, because I'm sure before this it was like, well, here's your main rules, and here's rules for being a superhero, and here's, like, a different power supplement, and here's whatever. Right. So uh, it's it's a well-established game that has a lot of fans, a lot of, uh, a lot of players, and, boy, I, I just do not understand. Well, let me, let me go out of my way right now at the beginning of the podcast, uh -huh. to say, we are going to fuck this up. Like, no doubt in my mind, the math in this, or how something interacts, I will let you listeners know, we will fuck this up. <laughs> if you like, want to correct... Do not, do not worry. If you want a correct review of Champions, please consult the internet. You went to the wrong place. <laughs> we each had one week to read this book. Now... <laughs> I, I also need you to know that even with studiously going through this book and trying to remember everything, there are points where I would be like halfway through and it would tell me some rule and I would have no idea what the fuck they were talking about. Yeah, well, that and every once in a while, it'll just go into the glory of pure numbers for a little bit. And you, without reference, it'll just be things like, obviously, since your body damage is 15d6, that's going to make your damage 4, which, of course, c compares against your body roll into an endurance of 5 times, it, it, which naturally would mean that 7 is the number. And you're like, what? Where is this? I can, okay, I can kind of see an order of operations between them, but I certainly can't tie it to anything. Yeah, there is a lot of rolls and uh, division and just having fractions of things in this 
that the book as you go along assumes you have memorized to the point where, like I was saying, when I'm like two-thirds the way through the rules, I look at something and it goes, okay, this is how you do like this type of damage, like killing damage or something. And it's like, this is how it'll work. Obviously, you roll this, and then you take that number, and you divide it by this, and then you'll compare it against this, which you'll then multiply, and then you'll add this and subtract that, and I'm like, wow, okay, sure. And most of them are just super dry. It's just long paragraphs of descriptive, like, stuff. I, I guess because it's a generic system, the idea is that as the, D the DM, whatever, DN, I think, in this game... I don't know. Uh, you're going to have to be very descriptive on your own. You're certainly going to have to be an absolute expert, because... I'd say 25% of the time things end with, ask your, your uh, game master how this works. Yeah. So, uh, Well, especially when you're talking about, if I'm a player, the math that I have to worry about is only one person's math. Like, I, I need to know what my speed is, I need to know what my damage is on my laser blast, all that. Now, yeah. I figure most of that out at character creation, and then there's a couple times where I might have to go, all right, well, let me just divide this or multiply that. As the the game master for running Hero System, you like you have to have like a calculator by you at all times mm -hmm. because you are constantly doing this for everyone. Also, you're going to need one of them fold-out DM screens, you know, the ones that you used to buy back in like 2nd edition D&D where you had like all the notes on the back. But it's going to need to be like 15 pages. <laughs> You'll have to fold all the way around you. You'll have to play in a spinny computer chair in order to run this. Oh my god, how awesome would that be? If you had one of those uh, circular tables, mm -hmm. and then in the middle of it was your GM, and oh, anytime yeah. someone did something, he'd just spin the chair around to whoever was talking. Oh man, I just I just made myself real happy with that idea. The idea of, of a centralized DM playing like Zordon in the Power Rangers and just sitting in the middle of the table in an energy field. Yeah, I mean, you're basically just playing like that mean lady and weakest link. <laughs> I can see that. Although, on the other hand, that would make it very easy for people to wait for you to spin the other way and then touch your pizza. No! Well, you'd keep it in the hole with you. <laughs> it would be in the hole. You have a sub-desk inside of the primary desk. Yeah, each each segment of table that someone is sitting at has one of those like keyboard pull-out things, and you can just put a slice under there and then just pull it out and eat it. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm on board with this now. Good. You've got me. Especially because that turns the pizza into a different ring that is also encircling the DM. <laughs> It circles all the way around. Hi, giant New York pizza. Could you make me a giant ring of pizza, please? No middle. I don't care for middle pizza. <laughs> I don't want that middle pizza. So, uh, okay. Let's get through the stats that make up a character in this real quick. Uh, actually, wait. One thing. To give you an idea of the math, there was one of my passages I read that was my favorite, which is the power advantage modifier section, which is all the things you can purchase for your character, because the whole game is point by, uh, that modify existing superpowers. So you can buy powers, and then you can buy uh, modifiers that make them better and limita limitations that make them worse, and those all affect the cost of the power. So this is for the modifier, a positive modifier, double knockback. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because most of the things in this book are like just ultra-dry math things. Like, this does 15d6 divided by 2 plus the TN of, of your uh, ego. You know, that kind of thing. But this one goes... The supervillain Tsunami has a 7d6 energy blast wind attack, which does double knockback. Tsunami hits Defender with the attack. By the way, everyone in this game has a name like Defender or Bird. Uh, Tsunami hits Defender with the attack and rolls 9 body. To determine knockback, Tsunami doubles the body to 18, then rolls 2d6 to determine knockback. He rolls a 4, doing 14-inch knockback. 
Defender flies back into a wall and takes 14d6 damage. Good doesn't always win. Huh. I don't know why we need to know that good doesn't always win there, because of the, I guess just because he hits a wall. Yeah, but, also, man, Tsunami should have some water powers. I know, what's up with Tsunami having wind powers? That's dumb. How That's like, we- look, my, my character's name is Earthquake, and obviously I use fire. How do, yeah, how come he isn't named Hurricane? That would be a perfectly fine name, or Tornado. Typhoon! Yeah, any of these things would be perfect, but no, he's Tsunami, and he shoots air blasts. Now, I know someone out there, some meteorologist lister is like, well, Tsunamis actually do greatly affect wind conditions. <laughs> wind conditions are often known to cause tsunamis. But you know what? Screw you, though, listener. Screw you. It's No, it's the same thing. Like, look, my guy's name is Earthquake, and he has fire powers, but... As we all know, earthquakes cause fires in cities where they happen, so... Do I need to bring up the 19, 1906 San, San Francisco quake, which of course caused fires that ravaged the city? I don't think I do. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I like our pretentious character playing a guy named Earthquake, by the way. <laughs> that's that's a great new character we've come up with. Yes. Also, mm-hmm. he's a professional wrestler, yes. obviously. Uh, I've, made a, I've made a man who shoots fire named Earthquake. Also, albeit... <laughs> I'll be at the Guggenheim later watching a lecture. <laughs> what, what is this character? This doesn't make any sense. No, that's fine. Everyone uh, likes him. I didn't buy my children Christmas presents this year. I bought them Christmas experiences. <laughs> Look, I've donated in their name to my favorite charities. There's nothing better than feeling good and smug. Especially when other people know. That's why I'm writing all this at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible character. All right, now we can talk about the stats and the character creation and the point by and the what have you. Okay, so the as mentioned, everything is point by. Yeah. So you have uh, a bunch of stats, then you have a bunch of derived stats from those, and then you have a bunch of derived defenses from those stats. Mm-hmm. So you're already just right out the gate within your stats doing a bunch of math. Yes. Now, uh, is it the most gonna... math we've ever seen? I don't. I don't know that that might necessarily be the case. I think we, we have seen other games that have more math that you have to do to get things started i don't know man this is pretty math i've never seen this many fractions in a book i mean I, I remember getting grumpy way the hell back when we did uh whatever the fat knife clown game was don't yeah, look ter- back don't look back terror is never far behind because it had a lot of decimals and the absolute not value symbols yes but that but, was mostly for rolling yeah this this uses it for stats it's it's a different experience so here we go now it it understands that not all stats are created equal. Yeah, that was an interesting thing to find out. It actually has modifiers for the value of individual stats you'd like to buy. Uh, some of them can cost the regular amount of points, as in a one-per-one one purchase range. Others can cost as much as three times, so there are three-for-one purchase. Like a uh, dexterity, which is, you know, normally your, your god stat, is three points to get one point of dexterity. Yeah, and the most expensive, actually, and you'll have to excuse me for not remembering it for the moment there, was speed, which is ten per... Although that is a derived stat. That's right. To purchase additional speed, you can do so. Now, this is uh, interesting because it lets you individually get your derived stats and your defenses and whatnot. You can spend points just on that. So, you know, even if, let's say, I've got uh, a low endurance, which would normally figure into my... Uh, physical defense and energy defense. Like, like say, for example, if you needed a nap after eating a hamburger and that nap was like three hours. Yeah, let's say that. Yeah. Let's say something like that. Okay, you have a fairly low endurance. <laughs> yeah, so fairly low endurance. Mm-hmm. And normally that would make it so that your defense stats were fairly low as well. But if you wanted to, you could say, oh, my guy doesn't have a lot of endurance, but 
uh, I can go ahead and put a whole ton of points into like physical defense. So it's that way you, you have can, a force field or armor skin or something. Well, yeah, you can just say like, yeah, you can uh, hit my guy and it doesn't really do a lot, but he's not exactly like well versed in being able to do a bunch of push ups or something, whatever. <laughs> Or one push-up. I mean, or or anything, or, really. Yeah, or any push-ups, or anything that isn't rolling into a kneeling position to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, the stats are, and their their relative values are. Uh, they all started at base ten, by the way. Yeah, I think everything's base ten. That's human average in this. So base ten, and then you add points at a for strength at one per, uh, dex at three per, con constitution at two per. Body at two points per point of constitution of body, uh, one poor uh, one point per point of intelligence, two points per point of ego, which is uh, just sort of your mental toughness in this game, and uh, let's see, one point per point of pre, which I don't remember is that that's preeminence, right? Yeah, obviously that's preeminence. It's preeminence. It's it's your uh, ability to be to belong in an area by divine right. Yes, yeah, it's your kingliness stat. I. I I'm pretty sure it's not presence. No, it couldn't have been. Uh, so obviously preeminence, great stat there. Yeah, you got preeminence, then you got calm right after that, which it's C-O-M, but I'm pretty sure it literally is how calm your character is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, done, they done goofed on the spelling, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> it's weird. It's like they suddenly got turned into like snooty orthographers and they were like, no, you don't pronounce silent L's and I'm not going to write them down either. Calm. That's how you pronounce that word. <laughs> I honestly have forgotten what COM stands for. <laughs> uh, it, that's your communication stat. That's your combat stat. That's your communion stat. That's <laughs> how good you are at eating little wafers. Okay, no, no. It is it is actually comeliness, which is next to godliness, I guess. <laughs> I'm swimming in comeliness. <laughs> Man, sometimes I go out on the weekend and I just get a whole load of comeliness. That's a gross joke and I feel gross for saying it. <laughs> Although, let's be real here. Has anyone ever heard the word comeliness used in any capacity other than hot stat in old role-playing games? Uh, no. I don't think I've ever had anyone say like, oh man, she's so comely. You have such a comely bride, sir. Yeah, no. Not in any modern day setting. You have such a chunly bride, sir. Please get her to stop doing that spinning bird kick. Spinning bird kick. <laughs> okay, yeah, comeliness is a weirdly old-fashioned word that only ever shows up in old RPGs that need a word for hotness, but can't just use that. Yeah, and I I mean, sometimes they'll use, like, attractiveness or... Handsomitude. Or they'll be like, no, this is just your charisma stat and it's rolled into it. Yeah. But even then, I'm like, man, I, I basically don't need it. And even this game is like... Dude, you can buy, like, two points of comeliness for one point. That's right. It's a it's a one-for-two situation. One point of character creation points, which I believe you get about 200 to make a starting superhero, will buy you two points of comeliness. Yeah. And it, do it doesn't do anything. Like, it can occasionally affect some of your presence roles. Yeah. But other than that, like, no powers key off of that. It doesn't do anything for you, really. No, it's the stat for people who were like 12 and playing the game, and they get a really high roll on that, although in this case it's point by. But I remember back when I was playing D&D &D as a little kid, my my uh, DM had artificially inserted a comeliness stat that everyone had to roll on as well. And if you rolled like an 18, then you had to play a, a sexy boob lady. You had to. You had to. They were like, oh, guys can't have 18s and comeliness. Your character's a hot babe now. 
I remember feeling disagreeing about that because dudes could totally be super sexy, but you know, yeah, man. Whatever. Have you watched Luke Cage? Uh, yes, I have watched. I've watched it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Although, for my money, and this is a weird thing to point out, I think he's hotter in Jessica Jones. Uh, okay. I know that's weird. It's the same guy I know. Yeah, but there's things about him that are just I found hotter in in, in his appearances in the Jessica Jones show, with the exception of the one episode in, in Luke Cage where he's walking around in a straight up suit. Man. I don't even care. Like, I ain't even gay, and I would watch a show that was just him moving furniture in a hot room. Like, that's yeah. it. I would watch all of the Defenders. I think they're the Netflix Defenders, just working as furniture mover people. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, no question. Man, I, I would watch Daredevil just move furniture all day. <laughs> Hell, I'd watch Foggy. I'm fine with it. Whatever. <laughs> He's got such a boyish face. He's got that that boyish charm going on. <laughs> Although he needs a haircut. That long hair is stupid. Hippie. He just looks ridiculous. He looks like an awesome dude with the dumbest haircut in the world. It's like he it, it looks like he's a modern day lawyer who can't stop listening to Mud Honey. <laughs> All right, anyway, a few more stats here. You got PD, which is a derived stat. It is uh, your strength divided by 5 and that is your physical defense. Uh, energy defense, ED, which is your constitution divided by 5. Speed is 1 plus your dex divided by 10. Now, it is worth to note right now that speed is not how fast you go. Speed is how many actions you take in a round. Yeah, this is one of them old games that has super-powered action advantage. Now You can uh, just buy more turns. Yeah, so the... I mean, we'll get into it, but there is an upper limit to where it is useful, mm -hmm. but you can buy it for 10 points just outside of having any of your derived stats, and as a superhero, I cannot imagine not spending a a fairly decent bulk of your points on that. Yeah, you're going to end up spending a lot on it, because if you don't, then you're going to be sitting there with your thumb up your butt while everyone else takes five more turns. Yeah, because everyone else is going to be like, well, I obviously bought an extra at least four, because you're going to start with two. Yeah. And you're like... Oh, I, I only have like a three in it, so I guess you guys will go twice as much as me. Yeah. That's good. And again, it is, to figure out your speed stat, it's one plus your uh, your deck stat divided by ten. And I don't remember what the order of operations is here. I, I, I remember some of the PEMDAS operations in this book. So the, the way that the, the deck's uh, division works is uh, you have to keep track of what the point value at the end is mm -hmm. because you can individually buy the points up now normally it would be 10 points to raise speed mm -hmm. but because it is your decks divided by 10 if i were to say have a 17 decks it would cost me three points to raise it up to the next level of speed because the division leaves me with like 1.7 so i could spend three points to get that to the two yep Boy, howdy. That's intuitive. Then you've got, uh, let's see, REC, which... Uh, recovery. Thank you. Recovery is your healing stat, and that's strength divided by five plus con divided by five. But don't worry, those are in parentheticals. Good. So you can follow the order of operations correctly. Uh, and then you've got endurance, which is just constitution times two, and stun, which is the same stat as body. You just have a different number that you track that can go down, because this game has two damage track systems. Your body and your stun. Yeah, so uh, the endurance stat in this is basically like your mana, your essence, uh, whatever your normal points you would use to use abilities. Mm -hmm. That's what endurance is doing. So Constitution is your meat, or your ability to take damage. Uh, by the way, I had the, the calculation wrong. Stun is body, 
plus strength divided by two plus con divided by two. Yeah, you have you have more stun than you have body because body is your actual meat damage and stun is just something is you know knocked the wind out of you. But everything that hits you does both. Yeah, so get you it, an unless, attack that can do both. Unless it's a stun, which like a stun attack, which only does stun, or a killing attack, which only does like killing you. no i'm pretty sure it also does stun it just has the capacity to kill that's the <laughs> difference is that most attacks in this game don't have kill capacity because you're playing well, no, a hero. killing attacks go past your defense oh yeah okay fair enough but they do stun damage still <laughs> i don't think there are any attacks in the game that don't do stun so the way that this works because this is this is crazy is here's how you calculate the damage this is like exalted from 1981 for damage it, you have like 15 d6 that you're shooting as an energy blast you work out a bunch of stuff about physical or energy defense or whatever, and at the end you figure out the number of dice of damage you're going to roll. Then you roll them. And then all the one, you, you count up all the value of all the dice that you've rolled, and that is the amount of stun you have done. Then you look at the dice faces. Ones don't do any damage. Twos through fives do one damage, and sixes do two damage. And that is the body damage that you did. So you, each time you hit someone, you have to figure out how much stun and how much body damage you did. Okay, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, killing attacks. Killing attacks are a thing. They do full dice. So normally you've got that, like, two to five, you get one, and six, you do two on body damage. If it's a killing attack, then you you usually have fewer dice, but they do the full dice of damage. So if I have, like, only 3d6 of uh, killing attack damage, I still have the chance of doing 18 body not me, man. I lost the chance to do an 18 body when I myself was like 18. Uh, 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 How droll. Oh, my. Now, an 18 body. You know, <laughs> an if I 18 can, body. If I can find them. <laughs> and you can afford them. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe you can do the A team. <laughs> uh, You're never going to guess what the A stands for. Is it? Is it anus? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I never guessed. <laughs> you can't. I can't. You're not allowed. I literally cannot guess. So this is a superhero game. That's By the way, that's all the stats. Uh, then using your voluminous number of points, you also purchase a variety of skills. Yeah. And skills come in ranks, and ranks modify the dice that you roll. Or Sorry, I believe they modify. Because the game's a 3D6. Uh, like we've said before, it's the sex move. The good old-fashioned 3D6 roll under. Yep. Where you figure out a target number, and then you roll 3D6 to try to get under that number to succeed at the thing you are trying to do. And most of the time, your baseline for things uh, are is going to be, depending on if you're, like, skilled or not, is going to be uh, nine roll under if it's just sort of like I'm trying to roll my stat. I don't have a skill I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a skill, it usually is baseline, like, 11 roll under. Which, incidentally, means that most of the time, your character, when they are competent in a skill, has about a 50% chance of doing something. Well, yeah. That's why you have to buy up in something. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and then... Combat is done with a different model where you compare against active roles from the other person. And, of course, you have your uh, OCV and your DCV, so your offensive combat value and your defensive combat value. Yeah, I, I like how you preface that with, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have that. Obviously, you can't use the stats you already have that re that reflect things like your dexterity and your, your uh, defense values. Instead, you need different ones of those that only work in combat, for combat. Of course. By and combat. <laughs> Man... The other thing with this is, and I know that it's not just champions. Like, I'm not just going to shit on this book for this. Well, basically, we are today. <laughs> well, no. I am today. But this <laughs> this happens in basically every book. 
But it's especially noted in something like Champions where you have a billion different stats and derived stats and values and whatnot where everything is just the abbreviation and eventually you forget what the fuck anything is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this one's not that bad because they're so universal. Strength is STR, speed is SPD. Although for a long time while I was reading it, I thought that was the degree to which your character appreciates Spuds McKenzie. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't you take my joke. I'm not. I'm bringing it up for you. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Spuds. <laughs> Because the book was written in 1989, and it was a time period where not everyone was worried about how fast they were, but everyone had an opinion about a beloved beer dog. Yeah, of course. Now, yeah. normally people might nowadays think Spuds McKenzie appreciation is a skill rather yeah, it than would a be stat. A, yeah, it would be a skill and not an, an ingrained ability. Uh, but you know, Or people might think, well, speed, that's obviously the drug speed. But again, we're talking about the late 80s. No one was on speed. It was that was the that was the high years of cocaine. The very high years yeah. of cocaine. Everyone at that time was snorting eight balls of cocaine and talking about how much they love what, what I'm pretty sure was a schnauzer. I want to say, nah, man, British, he was uh, one of those bull, bull terriers. Bull terrier, British bull terrier, something. Yeah, he's not British. He's just a bull terrier. I mean, he's American as can be. I'm sorry, isn't the breed Staffordshire bull terrier? Isn't that the thing? <laughs> but not British. Uh, okay, it's just, is he there's from, a British bulldog. <laughs> is he from Staffordshire, Kentucky? Yes, What's, he's from Staffordshire upon Avon in Tennessee. <laughs> Fair enough. I have whatever. So it's it, but yeah, it mostly makes sense. It's just that it's such long strings of numbers that you're comparing against each other. Really, it's not that you forget what the stat names mean. It's that when it makes these obvious lot or apparently obvious leaps between. Well, okay, so your speed is three, so naturally you'll roll fourteen d six here. Those are the things where you're like, what? What? How, what three to fourteen? What? You, you... Oh, I kept having to go back to the beginning, and the problem is they don't have all of the rules in one area. Oh so, no! Even the character sheet is split up into three things throughout the course of the book. Yeah, it's like, oh well, here's the beginning of my character sheet that has like my stats, and then halfway through the book, you find the sheet that has like your bio and, and contacts, all and, your uh, like. Uh, RP stuff. Yeah. And, and then, then you get to the end and it's like, oh, here's my like character combat thing where it's like the notes for how to t how to do fights with your character. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, I have this attack and it does this and I have this thing and it does whatever. Yeah. It's it, it's it's spread throughout the book. And, you know, for a book that has about a million abbreviations in it, it very notably lacks an index. Yes. Like if I'm reading through and I go, oh, what the hell does DCV mean again? I can't just like flip to the back and it, oh, DCV is this. Okay. Yeah. So it, anyway, um, so there are a number of skills you can purchase. John, did it have the skill? How is the skill watch for you this time? How many skills are in this thing? Just in this book? Uh, a bunch. Yeah. And more than normal. Uh, I mean, there's not an excessive amount. Okay. It's also uh, with the point buy system and everything. The way that it works, the fact that you can have a roll under for nine, even if you don't really know the skill makes it so that I'm slightly less angry at large skill selections since you've still got at least a halfway decent chance to do something even if you don't know it unless it's one of those skills that's like surgery or seduction which by the way passes the seduction test it's a fairly well written one that doesn't mention gender or uh, anything like that or the opposite sex notably and it also even includes the thing where you can only use it on NPCs which good yeah cuz anytime you're like oh I've got a skill and it just lets me 
like mind control the other players, which is, you know, I was worried about that because this is the kind of book where, you, where if you have a character who can explode, like to do damage around him, like I explode into fire and damage happens around me. You then need to go over to the power modifier and buy the one that makes it. So you don't take damage from that. Yes. If you have an AOE and it's a point blank AOE that is centered on you, you have to get a like hole in the center modifier so that the explosion goes out, or you can also get... A damage immunity to that type dan- of damage. Yeah, damage immunity to your own power. Uh, you know, the same way that you could have, say, Scott Summers and his brother have damage immunity to each other's powers. That's the weirdest thing to me, because Scott Summers' power is straight up just kinetic. It's just punch coming out of his eyes. It just, I mean, but it's apparently it's just different enough punch coming out of his eyes that it doesn't get his brother. Well, it's, it's lasers from the dimension of uh, kinetic energy. And uh, his brother is shooting plasma from the dimension of plasma energy. So here's a question then. If uh, if someone else got access to the laser kinetic energy dimension, like let's say that any other person in the X-Men universe got their hands on a, a portal to that, that punch dimension, is Havoc immune to that too? Or is it just brotherly love that's keeping him safe? Uh, I think he'd be immune to that as well. That It's interesting that that never comes up. I think it's probably because whoever wrote the whole punch dimension thing was a moron. Yeah, the it, fact that they were like, well, his eyes just open up to a dimension where laser beams are. Yeah, and then no other X-Men writer before or after that has been like, yeah, that was a good idea. Good job, who I have to assume was, Cla- was Claremont. <laughs> Uh, if there's anything wrong with X-Men, let's just blame it on Chris Claremont and call it a day. Well, I don't know. What decade did that, that dumb rule come out? It could have been JMS. I have no that idea. That could have been a Straczynski decision. Nah, man, it's all Moore. It's all Alan Moore. <laughs> Alan Moore was the one who was like, well, I think that, of course, the Cyclops would open a dimension to punches. Ah, oh, the, the punch dimension of lasers. Unfilmable. <laughs> <laughs> That was my uh, impression was, of Alan Moore based on no idea other than that he I think he is vaguely British. Yeah. No, I think maybe maybe it's from the Grant Morrison run. Who knows? I'm, I'm going to say it's John Michael Straczynski. I'm throwing the blame at him. Oh, don't do that. He doesn't deserve your hatred. All right, it's Liefeld. Liefeld did it. There we go. He's the other person you can put anything you want onto. It's a Greg Land idea or a Greg <laughs> Horn idea. Whatever. It's one of them. Look at this, folks. It's a comic book game, and we're talking about comic books. I hope you're happy, because we certainly aren't talking about the game. Anyway, it has powers in it. It does have powers in it, and the powers, because this is a universal system, uh, not only do the powers uh, have to represent things like, you know, I'm a Superman, and I can fly, and I've got laser beams and whatnot. I have a laser face, yeah. It also has to represent things like uh, if you're a wizard. So a lot of the things they'll talk about like, oh yeah, you can have one of the superpowers, of course, is invisibility. And you can get a bunch of modifiers and ways you can do things so that it's just a spell your wizard casts. Yeah, one of the things I thought was very interesting about this book is that all the powers just represent forces that you put into effect on the universe, and it doesn't really matter whether they're coming from you or not. You, if you, you can buy the exact same power and have it come from a bracelet that you're wearing or you yourself, uh, you can easily build a gun using the power system, and in fact, that is the only way to acquire a gun. Yeah, they. Uh, so they have the rules for if you're being a regular guy. Yeah. Uh, being a heroic guy, which is like that rough-and-tumble pulp kind of like... I'm Doc Savage, that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm the Phantom. I'm the only white guy in this jungle, and yet I'm in charge of it for some reason. Obviously. Duh. (laughs) So you can get that, and then you're much better than a regular person, and for both of these, the regular people and the heroic characters, 
uh, you buy equipment. So you're like, oh, I bought a radio or I bought a gun or whatever it is. You Mm -hmm. buy that with your money. With superpowers, and if you're a superheroic character, you get way more character points, but everything has to come from spending character points on it. So if you want to have a radio, you're basically getting one of the powers that's like, I have super sense hearing, but it only works on radio waves, and then I modified it so that it's broadcast to anyone near me, and it turns out I made a radio. I have water projection with the weakness of requires pumping and limited reservoir and hose availability requirement. Oh, so you made my junk. <laughs> yes, I made your junk, which, of course, requires pumping. It requires but, pumping. But a surprisingly little amount of pumping. <laughs> <laughs> it's barely even a drawback. <laughs> barely. Barely even a drawback. Uh, the drawback's called one pump chump. <laughs> That's my superhero, the one, the one pump, <laughs> the one jump. pump jump. That's terrible. All right, so so yeah, you, you can build anything as a superpower, and in fact, you have to. If your character acquires a gun, they are unable to use it until they spend the XP to make it a gun. Yeah, if someone comes up to you and they're like, "Here, here's a gun you could use," you cannot do that until you spend XP on. I've got like a blast ability that's kinetic. And it's got the drawback of only six shots, and then you're like, "Okay, great." Yeah, I made I made a gun using the power system. Thanks for all the work. That's why my villain in this game is going to be the gift giver, who keeps people from ever advancing in a useful category by constantly giving them new weapons they have to learn how to use instead. But they you have, don't to. have to. Yes, they do because it's a gift. I'm everyone's uncle. That's my that's my primary power. Is that everyone knows I'm their I'm their lovable uncle, and I'm always giving them gifts. And they're like, "Yay! I almost have enough experience to purchase faster than light travel." And I'm like, "Hey, buddy, here's a weaponized pogo stick I made for you myself." And they they're like, "Oh no, I don't I don't want to use it." Well, it'd just break your aunt's heart if you didn't get up on that pogo stick and ba- bounce around destroying the concrete. Okay, uncle gift giver. <laughs> <laughs> That's my character. There you go. I'll spend useless XP on this stupid toy. <laughs> uh, now, the powers also have uh, little symbols next to them. Oh, yes, they sure do. So some of them have a stop sign. Yeah, that implies that they are DTF. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> The stop sign implies that uh, they are subject to DM access and availability. Yeah, because the stop sign is like, hey, this might be way too powerful. Like, stuff like time travel. Yes, time travel, interdimensional uh, access for your powers. Like, can you shoot this into the dimension of ghosts? That might be too much. The list is sort of weird. Because, like, in the vision category, for example, you can buy see-through vision where you can just see through things. Or N-ray vision, which is... considered too powerful because it lets you see through things it lets you see through everything except for one type of thing well uh, it's the, superman's the, x-ray vision it's hilarious because the one example they pick has three weaknesses instead yeah whatever. they're like they're like yeah you can have x-ray vision like superman and you can't see through lead and palladium and molybdenum and gold and jewels <laughs> good great all right uh the uh, the other thing is there are little magnifying glasses next to some powers, which is the warning to the DM that this power might disrupt your uh, game narrative. Yes. So rather than being too powerful, it's something that might be like, oh, this gives the players too much information. 
yeah. stuff like mind scan and things like that. Yeah, the game didn't that I could tell it didn't have one of them soothsaying future augury powers. But uh, that's the sort of thing I would expect to have it. Yeah, that's that's always the worst thing when you're playing a, a game and your players are like, "I cast augury and speak from dead. I can I can ask three questions and you have to tell me the truth about what's happening next." And then your answer can't just be, "I have no fucking idea. I'm making all of this up." The notes I have are all pictures of boobs. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, those anyway. Uh, the little question marks imply that you, you might need to consult with your DM to see if he's cool with it. Yeah, so you've got those symbols, and then everything else is just normal. It's interesting because, to me, that implies that it's a permissive game system with a couple of stru- uh, structural restrictions. Oh, it really is. Reading yeah. through the book, almost everything in there is, hey, you know, your GM is going to have to vet pretty much everything you do whenever you buy a power or do anything, uh, it's going to need to go through him, and it has a lot of notes for, hey, we're letting you, we're putting these rules in here because it's universal, so if someone wants to do a game that's like, yeah, this has time travel in it, we want to have someone that can do time travel, and uh, with the limited version of time travel, it lets you go to, like, a specific place and time, so it's like, oh, I can go to, like, London in 1725. Oh, yeah, that's that was the, the only time travel their, I do. Their example was this guy named Time Master who has the ability to travel to March 22nd, 1041. Yeah, great. So, <laughs> What's weird to me is it doesn't necessarily say that he has the ability to travel back. Well, no, you always have the ability to go back and forth between one thing. That's okay. your baseline time travel. And then you have to buy a bunch of uh, add-on things if you want to be like, oh, I have multiple times. Or if you spend a crap load of points, you can be like, no, I just time travel wherever. I can go anywhere I want. I can turn into Car- where in time is Carmen San Diego. I uh, I can ruin anything that I'm in. It's basically heroes, and I'm Hero Nakamura. Yeah. Or I can basically grab all the world leaders and, and have have them help me make my band get famous. Yeah. And I hang out with a Martian who can turn into two Martians. Station. <laughs> so Damn it, now I want some station burgers from here in San Diego. <laughs> We're going to go, hold on guys, Guys. we're going to pause real quick. We'll be back in seven hours with more System Mastery (laughs) after we take yet more old fat guy naps. Uh, So so yeah, the the point by thing as well has uh, a lot of interesting things to that where you have to spend a certain amount, so it'll be like, oh you get like X points per point you spend, but you have to spend at least five Things like that. There's all kinds of interesting tricks in the PowerPoint system. Like, uh, you can buy a suite of powers that are connected that represent, for, for like a, a medium discount, but in exchange, you have to purchase powers that are relatively similar to each other. So things like, my gun can shoot three types of beams yeah, you is know, a multi-power. If you're like, I've got a gun and it shoots like laser beam, and then it can shoot a regular bullet, and then it can shoot a sonic attack. Well, like, it's kind of like, yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy, uh, uh, Peter, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, has a gun that shoots different ammo types. That's his whole thing. In the, yeah. in the, in the, not in the, the movies, so if you're, when you're hearing that and you're thinking Chris Pratt and his cool-looking U-shaped guns, no, th- those just shoot you know movie energy. But in, in the comics, his guns are like, I can shoot air bolts and stuff. So, yeah, I think. I don't know. Maybe. I'm, I'm not <laughs> basing basing this on Marvel Heroes the uh, video game. I am yes. <laughs> <laughs> so based on a Diablo like free to play video game, he has energy beams that are like elemental in nature, and he's not a very good character. <laughs> yeah, based on that. <laughs> uh, so 
you will be getting a whole bunch of points and you know as mentioned you can modify them in weird ways so you can make them more damaging or you can do things like oh this is uh no normal defense if you want to get for something oh, for so something like a gas attack or something that you like, can't just dodge yeah so it's you can't defend against it you can't uh, use any of your like physical defense, energy defense, none of that works, mm -hmm. but you have to specify one thing that can stop it. So if you have a gas attack, you can say, oh, okay, this does whatever damage and you can't use any of your defenses, but if someone holds their breath, then they're not affected by it. Right, and there's a mental version of it too called No True Scotsman. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Which uh, makes it so that no matter what people do to try and get around your mental defenses, you just keep moving the goalposts. <laughs> Man... <laughs> For a second there, I was like, oh, did I miss a thing where the ego attacks have a, a no... Oh, no, you're just being an asshole. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not being an asshole. I'm being a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy. <laughs> so uh, There are also power drawbacks, which yeah. are, are things that can make your power harder to use. Some of them, they actually waver back and forth between whether they're drawbacks or, or bonuses. Things like charge, like if your power doesn't work off you spending endurance to power the power, but rather, like, I could use this ability 12 times a day. And they're like, they say, oh, well, if it's a cheap power, that could potentially be a drawback, because normally you could use it more than 12 times a day. But if it's a super expensive power, that's probably a benefit. Well, yeah, because if you're like, all right, what do I have? Oh, I've got uh, an explosion ability that blows up essentially a entire city, and it would normally cost me way too much endurance to use, but I went ahead and turned it into a thing that is, I can use it like three times a day. Yeah. And then you have a calculation system that tells you what the point cost of that is. So let's say you pick a power that costs about 50 points. It, that's not a very good power. You know, I'm going to get, I don't know, uh, laser feet. And you're, uh, then we, we're going to modify laser feet, which normally is the ability to fire a blast of lasers from your feet that does some damage. Now you go into the, in the uh, structure of modifying that point cost. So let's say you wanted to make your laser feet also make it so that you uh, don't accidentally cut into the ground. You're going to need to make selective or discriminatory laser feet. You're going to need uh, something that makes it, oh, I can shoot it in a cone of damage instead of just a straight line. Now you're buying cone. Those are both adding to the base cost of the, of the power. They may add uh, an individual number or discrete number of points, like it costs five more points than normal, so now instead of 50, it's 55. Or they could be plus one quarter or plus one half. Yeah, there's a... Man, there are a lot of uh, little niggly bits in here that are like, okay, this is a one quarter, this is a one half, mm -hmm. this is a one. Of course, if it's a one, it's you always take all of these one plus whatever the thing is and then multiply it by that. Yes. Uh, and then the uh, the power penalties work the opposite way. Divide the power, the cost of this power by half and by a quarter, subtract 10 from it, that sort of thing. And you have to work all of those out to figure out the, the maximum based cost of your power. Yeah. All right. And the uh, the overall effect is you'll you'll get to take what are very generic powers mm -hmm. uh, and create something out of it. Now, even within that, it also has one of those like you know GM rules on stuff where it's like, okay, let's say I get uh, the energy beam power. You have to decide when you buy it what type of attack it is. So let's say I go, it's a sonic attack. Okay. Uh, the book is also going to say. If you choose that and then someone else is like, oh, yeah, this guy's wearing a sound muffling helmet, even though you technically didn't draw, like have a drawback that it doesn't work on whatever or anything like that, you can still have the DM go, yeah, because he's protected against Sonics 
it does less damage or things like that. He's protected against Sonics, and therefore... <laughs> God damn it, you didn't even need to finish that. I knew exactly where you were going. Yeah, of course. I was, I was going down the, the trail of how, of how fast I have to go. <laughs> yeah, all those knackles that I've got. <laughs> yeah. He's protected against Sonics, but he has a double vulnerability to Knuckles. Yeah. So, Knuckleses. As he, <laughs> Knucklesies. Which I believe is the plural. <laughs> of course. Or is it nuclei? It's one of those. Yeah. N- n- nucleus. It's, it's, yeah, it's nucleus. Nuclepotus. <laughs> Nuclepodes. <laughs> Nuclepotuses. The plural of knuckles, in case you needed it. If you did need it, then your, your former author of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog comics, Ken Penders, and you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Aw. Yeah, that's right. Som- Sonic the Hedgehog comics reference. Wow. What now? Man, the fact that you can name anything associated with that is... Oh, anyone can name Ken Penders. He's the one who drew a whole bunch of uh, vaguely knuckles-looking, somewhat morphed creatures crying into their like like gross spike knuckles and stuff, because he was the one who was taking it a little too seriously. Huh. I have no idea. He created a bunch of original Knuckles characters do not steal and managed to have a comic book about it. Wow. It's, uh, it's a pretty neat story. <laughs> anyway, you can also pick individual drawbacks for your character. Things, well, vulnerabilities and psychological limitations. Yeah, now this is going to be, rather than modifiers to your powers, this is the advantage-disadvantage system, except uh, you do have some of the advantages. They have full-on the advantage-disadvantage system. Yes, they do. Most of the advantages are just going to be part of your powers. Yes. Uh, or their skills. Like, one of the advantages in this game is skills, which is, this advantage is that you have more skills. Yeah, it's just, hey, you can spend more points on skills if you want with this advantage. Yeah. Great. Uh, the way that the book assumes you'll do things, though, is, like, let's say it goes, you have 200 points to make your character. Mm-hmm. You are then allowed to have 100 points worth of disadvantages. And the book assumes you are going to use every single one of those points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your character is intended to have a million disadvantages, and that's an interesting thing to me. I feel like it's an interesting design decision because let's think about the history of superheroes. I mean, obviously, Superman has his weaknesses to kryptonite and, more recently, his other weakness to magic. And even more recently than that, his additional weakness to, like, uh, being exposed to way too much sunlight. Yeah. So... Now we have these interesting weaknesses for him, and it's it's created a character that has some drawbacks and some penalties, but he's kind of a rarity. Oh, yeah. You don't normally have characters with that kryptonite thing. Like, I know you got that, Martian Manhunter, sure. And, yeah, you've got a couple normally in DC where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Green Lantern doesn't get to work on wood or yellow or whatever. Yeah, but if you look at Marvel, it's like, okay... Iron Man's powers don't w- work on aluminum. I, I, Iron Man's weakness is alcoholism <laughs> a, a, and womanizing. He's like a real Frankenstein's dad. <laughs> That's true. That's he's he's got a real Frankenstein's dad's monster. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's Ultron. Yeah, I mean at least in the movie continuity, uh, you know, people are sending in letters saying that that Hank Pym built him. Then I know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's but in the movies, it's a real Frankenstein's dad's monster's monster. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> and he's voiced by James Spader. And great voice work there, James. Kind of a lackluster movie, but good job, James. No, Jay, I would have watched Ultron just be Ultron, Ultron all day. Right. Uh, all the best parts of that not all that great movie are the parts where he's just saying stuff as Ultron. The part where Hulk jumps up into the ship that he's in and he's trying to escape, and he just goes, "Oh, for God's sake!" <laughs> is the highlight of that entire movie for me. Yeah. No, <laughs> Spader's work, fantastic. Yeah. Unimpeachable. Anyway, back to it. 
uh, you were expected to spend every single possible point. Like they, they were like, well, pe- players are going to min-max and spend stupid vulnerabilities. Let's just bake it into the system instead of discouraging it. And the some of the disadvantages you can get are, you know, very obvious ones where it's like, oh, I'm weak against whatever, so you have your own version of Kryptonite and whatnot. Yeah, and those are almost invariably just, you take double damage from this one thing. But then you also have, probably the one that is the weirdest to me is just psychological disadvantage, which is all stuff like, oh, I I don't kill people, or I have a heroic code, or I'm arrogant, and it's just, hey, uh, did you want to get, like, just 50 free points? Here you go. Yeah, like every single villain example in the book has arrogant and overconfident to give them 40 of their background points. Oh, good. By the way, arrogant and overconfident do not need to be two different ba- uh, or uh, problems for a oh, character. Oh, I also have the disadvantage of hubris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have the hoist by my own petard from time to time disadvantage. <laughs> uh, I have blind to my own uh, problems and... Uh, <laughs> Cannot see the forest for the trees. Oh, good. That That's about 100 points right there. Nice. I think we're all set. Uh, yeah, it's just, do you have a thesaurus? Good. You just come up with six synonyms for something, and that's your real problem as a character, sure. Yeah, the and I mean, for heroes, it's going to be, most of the time, okay, I've got a code against killing, I've got a code of honor, uh, probably have a secret identity. Because that's a, a drawback, because it's a weakness for your character. And that, that right there is about 70 points worth of drawback. Yeah. You're most of the way there if you just take the basic Batman set. Yeah, even if you are just making a guy who's like, Normally, this would be just shit that I roleplay, yeah. but in this, it's, nah, here, have 70 more points because you made a character. Yeah. It makes it makes you wonder why all the th- roleplay choices you make aren't also worth points. If you're like, uh, because it's a superhero game, I've decided to give my character an alliterative first and last name, yeah. which is why his name is Simon Saunders, the master of the mystic arts. So I think that should be worth, like, five points because I'm playing to genre conventions. I'm playing Simon Schuster. <laughs> Simon Schuster, whose secret entity, Earthquake, can shoot fire. (laughs) And again, I don't need to remind people of the many fires caused by earthquakes. But I will. But I will, after this sip of almond milk. (laughs) (laughs) He just gets Uh, weirder. He just keeps getting weirder. I apologize. It's actually an almond beverage. Milk is a a colloquialism I think we all can understand here. (laughs) He's the sort of person where you ask him if if you can borrow a pencil. He just goes, I don't know. Can you? (laughs) All right. uh, So, yeah, you basically are forced to take a million drawbacks. Every single NPC in the book does. And then it's hilarious to read them because it's always like, uh, this person... Uh, Captain Cosmic can shoot beams of light and create force fields. He is doubly vulnerable to things that cut him. Oh, good. Because I guess he has sickle cell anemia? What's happen- <laughs> What's going on? No, uh, his uh, main villain is the Pete and Pete character from the very beginning, Paper Cut. Oh, my God. And I was feeling bad about knowing a Sonic the Hedgehog artist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, just because I know what the very first villain for Pete and Pete was. <laughs> Oh uh, man, we need open to get on face. Some... You get <laughs> this is a great team of villains from Pete and Pete. You get Open Face, you get Paper Cut, you get Endless Mike. I've always liked Endless Mike. Oh, uh, one thing I found in the book that I particularly enjoyed was a suggestion that your character should have a catchphrase or a soliloquy that they regularly say. Yeah, I don't know if you, th- there's an included list of suggestions that I thought was particularly fascinating, and I'm going to read the, read them in reverse order here. There's only four of them. Thank, and then in parentheses, favorite deity. No, just thank favorite deity. Thank favorite deity by Odin's beard. Uh, The next one is holy, and then in parentheses, whatever is applicable. (laughs) 
which I would love to hear Burt Ward say that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. That's the only person that they're talking about. And then you have Christmas. Ha. Huh. Just Christmas, by the way. It's not sweet Christmas. It's just <laughs> savory Christmas. <laughs> Umami Christmas. Uh. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Christmas. Who's, who's just saying Christmas is a thing? I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe. holiday joker. I was going to say, what, calendar man? It's calendar man. <laughs> Labor ah, Day. You've caught me, Batman. Christmas. <laughs> well, no, it's actually it's actually April Fool's Day. I know. It's my catchphrase. Christmas, I say. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm saying Christmas because it's April Fool's Day. <laughs> April Fool's, Batman. I mean Christmas. Damn. Foiled. I don't even know my own gimmick. Foiled again. <laughs> what, what, what do I do? What's my thing? Do I... Do I have weapons that are calendars? What is this? I don't I don't even know what I'm about. What's my appeal? <laughs> <laughs> Who wants this? <laughs> Do they use me when they can't get a reasonable villain? <laughs> Am I the guy you beat up at the beginning of the comic and then you go <laughs> on to the real story? I'm the guy who dies at the beginning of the comic to an overzealous version of you, aren't I? <laughs> Jean-Paul Valley is going to take my head off to make a point about how he's a new badass Batman, isn't he? This is disgraceful. I'm, I'm just in the background in Arkham, aren't I? So that people can point out and go, ooh, I know who that is. I'm just here to make Batman fans feel smug. <laughs> That's all he's for. <laughs> Someone's going to send in some amazing Calendar Man story now. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the, the amazing, heart-wrenching story of Calendar Man. Yeah, and by the way, the fourth catchphrase that you can choose for your character from the list of helpful suggestions is, it's clobberin' time. Wow, straight up just it's clobberin' time? It's clobberin' time, yeah, with the apostrophe and everything. Wow. I'm surprised there isn't also I'm the ever-lovin' blue-eyed thing after that. <laughs> or based on my travails as a youth on Yancey Street. <laughs> or what a revolting development. <laughs> you you might have a thing where you say flame on. <laughs> or curses, it's the mole man. <laughs> You know how they're always saying curses, it's the Mole Man. I assume. Who Even reads, when it's not the Mole who Man. Who reads Fantastic Four? I don't know. Hey, man, Mark Wade's run on Fantastic Four, absolutely unimpeachable. <laughs> A lot of things are unimpeachable today. <laughs> so many peaches are going unimpeached. All right, we're running out of time here, but there is one more thing I want to talk about, which this is something that we find in the backs of books in the How to DM a Game section from time to time, and that is the... How to divide up your players with cute little catchphrases for what type of player each one is. Oh my god, yes. Oh. So once you get past the rules, it goes on to like the uh, the player advice and the GM advice. Mm -hmm. And there is this section on GMs, you're going to find a lot of different types of people playing your game. Here's a few examples and how to deal with them. So right, uh, what we're basically learning from this is no player that you have at your table is going to be good. You're just going to have a, a collection of dimwits and idiots, malcontents and ne'er-do-wells. An who, endless parade of mouth breathers that hate you and this game. They just want to ruin your good time of trying to run your perfect game. So here's some dumb nicknames you can use to hate them quietly. <laughs> <laughs> and also so you can it, it, some suggestions about how you can be passive-aggressive to them instead of talking to them like a goddamn grown-up. <laughs> so, uh, so here's a couple of the types of champion players. There's the buddy. Now, the buddy is uh, a Pauly Shore joke. <laughs> now, normally... I'm looking at this list and I see the buddy and I go, oh, this is going to be someone that's like trying to be friends with you to get stuff. They're, they're always real nice, but they're always like, hey, man, let me get like five more XP. Yeah, it's the person who shows up with their their friend and is only there for their one friend. Yeah, uh, and I've had that at one of my games. I'm glad at least the book didn't make it the girlfriend who wants to go. 
Yeah, no, I've had someone's friend who just showed up and they were like, hey, I'm just here because my friend is here. And we like just gave him a character and he's like, yeah, great, I don't care. Yeah, so that's one. And th- we're starting off with some of the relatively tame ones here. The builder is someone who's obsessed with world building and will try to take your job as a world builder. Great. And you need Let to give them. yeah, you need to give them things to do is the advice, or else they'll get bored and move on. You've got the combat monster, and the combat monster only wants to fight, fight, fight. It says uh, that doesn't mean the campaign consists of every co- of only combat, but he's going to get bored and he will not be happy if he doesn't get to be involved in every single fight in the game. Yeah. All right. Get a few more of these. Uh, the copier. Now, the copier is someone who only copies things that they see on TV or in the comics. Yeah, this is the guy who shows up to your game with the Wolverine. Now, keep in mind that that's the sort of character that may use a catchphrase like, it's clobberin' time. If they do that, you need to stop them immediately. Also, if you, if they try to pick any of the NPCs from this book, which are two-of-the-letter carbon copies of DC Justice League also rans. Oh, the whole thing is just Marvel and DC's greatest hits for heroes. Yeah. I mean... There is a ninja with psychic powers called Mindlock. The main dude is this guy named Crusader, who's straight up the "my parents are dead" martial arts guy. Uh, like uh, his secret, the secret entity is a is a bored playboy, but in reality, he is a dark vigilante, and he's got stupid armpit wings. I mean, I'm not even like the okay ones, like the first Spider-Man appearances, but like like knee to to uh, wrist level flaps, like he's a flying fucking squirrel. Yeah, you know, like a bat say yeah like it like a big stupid bat like specifically like those bat people from beastmaster that turn people into oatmeal yeah and uh i mean he's only looking like that because he knows that uh criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot and do not want to be turned into white goop and metal bits <laughs> no <laughs> uh a couple more here that are fairly simple to show off the tragedian the the uh, the mad thinker the mad slasher interestingly is is a one that's worth mentioning because it's someone who uh only wants to kill people in your game, and it advises that you not let them play. Yeah, it's like, look, if there's a guy who's just going to murder everyone, maybe don't have him play his superhero. Or, you know, build your game around it. The, the whole thing is... Or he's it, the Punisher. It gives them a reason for why the Mad Slasher exists. Like, oh, this person has a hard day at the office, and then they just want to have fun being vi- letting out their violent urges through the course of a nice, safe game of role-playing. Don't let them do this. Do not let them. Bottle that shit up inside them until they kill someone. <laughs> That's that's their suggestion to you, and then uh, the- also the the single most insane like when I told anyone else about it, they were like, "There's no way that that's actually in the book." Oh, you want me to go ahead and say that one now and not and skip over the pro from Dover? Uh, all right, all right, fine, I will. The rules rapist. That's right, the goddamned rules rapist. The rules rapist mostly wants to, oh, sorry, in general, this player mostly wants to create characters with skills and powers which bend and exploit the existing rules. These players are constantly redesigning their character for higher point efficiency. Unless they also have other campaign interests, they're probably not all that involved in role playing. But they're rapists, though. Yeah, please don't. Please, please, please <laughs> don't. God. Please do not cheapen the concept of rape by making it about being a rules lawyer. Also, while we're at it, please don't cheapen the concept of rules lawyers by saying that they have no interest in the game. They usually do. Yeah, the guy who's like, oh man, I really want to make sure my my dude is as powerful as possible. I'm trying to squeeze every last bit out of this. Isn't someone who then just does that and goes, and I'm out. That's what I do, but I'm a fucking weirdo. Well, yeah, that's because you check out of anything as soon as it takes longer than four minutes. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this show for three years. <laughs> you step off, homie. <laughs> I've read eight. This is my 85th book I've read. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, uh, so anyway, the rules rapist. There you go. Well, why don't we close on that and get to our favorite and least favorite things? <laughs> yeah, what, what, do you, what do you say? Okay. All right. Here we go. John, what would you say is your favorite thing about the famous Big Blue Book Champions 4th Edition? I I mean, I like the varied point costs for things. I, I In like theory. The, the stat weights are kind of a neat concept. Yeah. The fact that it's not just a one-to-one for everything. Things are very weighted. The fact that you can buy individual derived stats outside of just upping that singular stat. Yeah, because right away that that starts calling up in your mind reasons that you would. You know, you're like, oh man, I can make a character who's got like a turtle shell, and so he has a lot of like uh, combat physical defense value because he's a turtle shell, but it also slows him down. So instead of being based off his dex, which is where that that normal derived stat for, uh, comes from, I just buy directly into having that shell. Exactly. So yeah. there's a lot of interesting things you can do with the point by system uh for as needlessly complex as a lot of the point by stuff is the way in which it varies lets you do a lot i do appreciate the way the point by works in this so i'd say that's my favorite thing in this how about you uh my favorite thing in this is uh gonna be it's roughly the same but instead of being stats i'm gonna go with how powers are constructed yeah, I like that you can really build interesting powers in this game, that there's enough po- parts there, and so much so that it's very easy to build your character with a variety of gadgets or tools in, that are just powers, Yeah, and that play like gadgets and tools. Like, they make sense when you're describing them. I mean, granted, every character sheet in this book looks like a technical manual. Like, whenever they're like, here's a character's power. It does half plus 15 D6, and end minus stun plus ego divided by body equals five. And you're like, what? What, is, what, is, what does any of that mean? But once you kind of get your mind around it, you're like, oh, okay, that's... This character has a rocket pack. Sure, fine. Yeah, I mean, you can just straight up be like, okay, Batman's grapple gun. You'd say, all right, I'll I'll make this into a leaping power, but I'll give it all the drawbacks of can only be used if there's like something to latch onto. So I have this drawback. I can't just do it whatever. Oh, that's never stopped Batman even once. Oh, sure it has. He's been out in a field fighting a guy and he can't grapple around. No <laughs> grappling. He just summons the bat plane and grapples that. <laughs> Summon the grapple bat. <laughs> This thing's got so many good grapples on the bottom. I completely loaded it up with grapples, and, and then also there's some apples in it. Oh, mm, delicious grapples. <laughs> Gonna eat me some grapples. Yeah, so uh, so I, I like that the power system is, is fairly robust, and you can construct a wide range of powers. Yeah, no, so, that definitely. That is a, a very good part of this book. And, and, you know, given that it's the core part of this book, that is a, a, a nice, strong recommendation. Yeah. But, but that being said, what is your least favorite thing about Champions? Uh, I mean, if I... I would probably say the thing that stuck out the most to me was the rules rapist thing, but we already went over that. Yeah, well, I mean, it passed the uh, it passed the seduction test, but then it went ahead and just cheapened the word rapist. But whatever, it's it's fine. A lot of people do that. It's that's what fifteen year olds do. You know, that's. It, I, I mean, mean, it's not it's not fine, but it's yeah, understandable it's not, that a book it, from like nineteen eighty one would have that. Well, nineteen eighty nine in this printing, but yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, that's just a PewDiePie thing where he's just sitting there on TV playing his dumb video game on YouTube and yelling, "They're raping me" or whatever the fuck he does. I don't know. I don't know. I've that, never watched. PewDiePie. Not even sure if that's fucking him. It's some. It's some lot of. It's it's a word that's been cheapened a lot. It's just weird to see it in the context of a rules lawyer. Yeah. So. Uh. So the. The thing that I would say I dislike the most about this is the the fiddly bits for combat. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it would take forever to do yeah. anything in this game. You have so many stats that go into an attack. And, I mean, we didn't even break it down, but, like, an attack round is, okay, you've got this turn, and then when, within each turn you've got 12 segments, 
and you can do actions within each segment, which is why getting a speed of 12 is where you cap out and you don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the fact that every attack and defense has all of these calculations you do, and it would change depending on who you're fighting and what's going on and whether your power has a drawback or an advantage against certain things. I feel like combat in this system, until you gained a ton of mastery over it, would take forever. Yeah, it would take way too long. Like when you're reading like, this is how a ride-by or drive-by attack works. And it's Ogre starts his attack at 15 inches away from Birdface. He goes 5 inches and attacks Birdface and will end 10 inches away from Birdface and does the following 16 things along the course. He changes trajectory here. Oh yeah, it has calculations for velocity in there. It's got the calculations for if you throw something and it bounces, how it ricochets. It made me real sad that one of the powers in this book is faster than light travel. Like, your character can fly between star systems at a crazy speed. Like it, Although, admittedly, when you buy the power, and it's like 60 points to just buy the power by itself. Oh, no, it was cheap. It was like no, 10 points. No, it was points. super cheap because you can only use it in space. Yeah, you can only use it in space. And it was like 10 points to get uh, faster than light travel at light speed, which is useless. Yeah, it's light travel. Yeah, which, yeah, speed of light travel, which sounds awesome, but... Boy, the nearest star that besides the sun is real far away. Although, I mean, it's great for traveling around the world because you just go, okay, I fly up into space. I then pretty much instantly go wherever in the world and then fly down. I guess. I mean, it, I don't know if it doesn't include things like light speed calculations and stuff because flying at light speed around the earth as a travel system is just a, a recipe to overshoot. <laughs> no, because there's no rules for that. Well, that's the thing. I was, what I was saying was it grumped me up something fierce that for a game that's got trajectory and... and uh, rules for changing speed and angles and so on and all this stuff like falling damage is really well calculated in this it doesn't have any relativity no it does not have rules for relativity given that there's only one power that would care about it well i'm pretty sure the time travel powers would probably come into play there as well (laughs) but yeah relativity doesn't matter so if your character flies at light speed towards a nearby star he arrives 50 years later when he if it was 50 years light years away yeah and and earth is has moved on 50 years and not thousands and millions (laughs) of years (laughs) So, uh, so anyway, I can see that being an okay drawback, uh, weakness to the game. Yeah. So that's, that was my big issue with it. What was the least favorite thing for you? Uh, a lot of the book for being an interesting game or, or set of rules for playing like a genre free superhero kind of, it's, it's sort of a, a toolkit is, is very unimaginative. Mm. The powers are almost all just blasts and rings and, and walls and fields uh, there's there's very little of, in the way of interesting or iconic or notable powers. You're supposed you, to build them yourself. Yeah, you don't get a clock manipulation in this. Y- and it would be very hard to build one. No. So there's a lot of the more interesting or esoteric powers that people do tend to like when they build characters are missing here. You basically can build characters that can shoot bolts and beams and throw shields up. It's like building Dragon Ball characters a lot of the time. It's it's very generic DC metahuman is yes. what it is. And when you get to the NPCs, that bears out as well because they are near universally identical. Like, they have some interesting backstories to them, like, oh, this guy grew up in the slums. This character is a hyper-intelligent chimp. But then they all are exactly the same build. They're yeah. all like, I can shoot a energy bolt, and I have a shield against energy bolts, but I take double damage from sonic attacks. It, 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 the, it almost feels like they're being built more like characters for a video game than characters for a... Uh, for well, a, yeah, the fact that all of these sample characters have a weakness. Have a double like, damage weakness. Oh, man, I've got to switch out my this hero for this other hero so that I can do the the double damage on this. Yeah, it's super effective. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, well, I'm going to have to take uh, Green Arrow out and put in uh, Sinestro. <laughs> Swap Green Arrow for Charmander. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, so uh, to me, the book read it. 
Also, all the character NPCs have the most boring names you've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Well, it's super generic. Yeah, it's all very generic. And, and I like a little more imagination and flair in my games. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, it's it, it's trying to be one of them GURPS systems where it's like, here, use this to build anything. But I've never really liked those systems. And so for me, that is the biggest weakness, that this book has very little imagination. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Would you play 4th Edition Champions? Um, I would probably give it a chance. Uh, I would want to see how it bears out. Honestly, I would also need a computer program now you for like making a character. Yeah. Because, oh my God, trying to figure out all of the points and like, okay, well, I spent this on that and I've got this disadvantage and I've got whatever and these points there. I would just lose track of that immediately. God, just think about this. This book came out in 1989. Yep. You, you couldn't have an app on your phone for this. You oh, could no, have, you had a sheet full of math you yeah, were doing. you had a graph paper. You had, you had sheets of graph paper and a graphing calculator that you tried to build your character on in this game. <laughs> like, nowadays, you could probably build a Champions app that built oh, you a... I'm sure that it's out there, yeah, too. some Champions character generator that tells you the point cost, and you can quickly flip through and build it. But, man, when this book came out, building your character was like a five-day ordeal. Plus, almost everything you had to ask your GM about, because you go, okay, I have this drawback. And then he has to tell you whether that drawback is common or uncommon or super rare or if it uh, is something that would be severe or if it's limited or whatever. So there are all of oh, these little yeah. tweaks on it. That was it. a weird thing, by the way. Was a lot of, When you're looking through the NPCs and it gives you the weaknesses, and the weaknesses all have ratings based on how likely your character is to encounter them, and their scale of how likely you are to encounter things is a little weird. Like, they were like, this guy has a, a irrational anger towards supernatural evil martial artists. It's very common. Yeah, I was like, it's well, common. Okay. I mean, I can see evil martial artists as being relatively common, so you could do like a, you know, we're fighting ninjas type game. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I assume that it would be, again, why you have to ask the yeah. DM is you got to go, all right. Is the hand in this game? Like, if I have a weakness that's specifically to, like, uh, laser beams... And you go, okay, but we're playing in a game that's like 1920s, everyone's got Tommy guns, then it's not very common. But if we're playing in like G.I. Joe, then obviously it's going to be very common. Right. So that was an interesting thing. Yeah. So there you go. I guess I would also give this game a shot. Uh, it's it's it, interestingly put together. It has a lot of room to build cool characters in. And of course, we're about to try that. So I feel like I could give this game a chance. I'm a little put off by the inches measurements I'm seeing all the way throughout the book. Well, this is definitely one where you need to play on a hex grid. Oh, yeah. Because everything is just measured essentially in hexes. Right. So that's probably okay. As long as it owns that it's a hex game, I'm fine with using that that rule system. Yeah. So, um, all right. Anyway, I feel like we're probably... Got anything else you want to say here? Mm, no, I think that's, that's basically good. Uh, everything else I have to say is going to be behind our paywall. <laughs> Suck it, listeners. Don't call it a paywall. It's been there for years. <laughs> Don't call it a paywall. It's been there for years. <laughs> so uh, anyway, if you uh, if you like what you're hearing and you want to uh, hear the rest of it, we're going to go build some characters in this game. That'll be our bonus content, which you can find on Patreon. If you're a Patreon subscriber, not only do you get our bonus episodes, you also get the RSS feed that has all the episodes, including System Mastery, Movie Mastery, and the bonus episodes, all in one easy RSS feed for your podca uh, podcatcher application of choice. Otherwise, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com, and then we are System Mastery on Reddit, Gmail, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find us in all those locations to interact with us any way you see fit. Send us questions and, and uh, comments and complaints and so on. 
Anything you like to do. Those are the anything, way to do it. Anything at all. Yeah. Just get them out there. Let us know what, you, what you're interested in. Uh, send us questions for the Afterthought Podcast, which comes out next week, where we will be asking questions or answering questions from listeners, as well as talking about whatever we want. Good. Check out our Movie Mastery Show, where we review movies. It is your choice what movie we review. Either one off our big list of movies we have to watch at home, or once a month, because of our Patreon, we have to go watch a movie in theaters. You can vote for which movie that is on our website. Right now, I believe the current leader is uh, it's it's some uh, I superhero. I think it's Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it's Assassin's Creed, which actually I think is a very solid one because of the history of video games and movies. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to that. Hopefully, otherwise, find us all in all those places. Buy our T-shirts and toys and action figures. Buy our merch. Buy our line of custom uh, organic Co- soups that we make. Buy our cosmetics. <laughs> buy my sperm and raise little Jeffs. <laughs> buy my book. And buy John's book. Buy John's book. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Buy my book. 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 Buy my book.